to be crispy you know what i'm saying crispy Need that crispy chris dempsey that's actually a good fire crispy chris dempsey it kind of sounds good what kinda am i a donut now <laughs> <laughs> no dude i was thinking more like fried chicken but that's probably uh, just me being hungry i mean i could go for some fried chicken dude, all the time come on are you a wing guy yeah all right flat or drums on a wing drums dude come on oh no see i'm a flats guy but I like a whole wing. You get both. You get both pieces. That's fine. That's great. But if I had to pick one, the I would flat, go. Flat I would go, I would go uh, drums over flats. Like, but Cheyenne likes the flats though, so it kind of works out. Perfect team right there. <laughs> See, that's how marriages are made, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> one eats the drums. One eats the flats. That's beautiful. So, dude, thanks for coming on the podcast. We obviously had you on the podcast before, but that was in the Zoom days, and it's a totally different animal now. That's yeah. funny. Funny to think that. When was that? that? Probably a year ago at this point. We we need to check the dates. Well, then, I mean, how long ago was that when you interviewed me? Um, was that in that boxing gym in the parking garage? Oh, my God, dude. That was forever ago. That was before my fight in London. So I that think was, so. That was seven years ago, I think. Go way back, dude. That's crazy. <laughs> so... You probably noticed, but I wore my Pantera shirt <laughs> just for Chris Dempsey. And I also wore my camo cargo shorts just for Chris Dempsey. Dude. I should have wore my Mighty Ducks jerseys there. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I didn't know. We didn't discuss it, but I was like, all right, I'm going to show him Pantera and camo cargo shorts for sure for Dempsey. So the Pantera story, speaking of the boxing gym, Congreb, you were working there with Shock, and yeah. I was coming, like you said, a ufc fight i was i don't even know who i was working for at the time but i was going to interview you after practice and <laughs> pantera started playing in the gym and it was like cemetery gates i'm pretty sure it was cemetery gates and me and Layshock were like hell yeah pantera dude and dempsey you could tell was like i don't really know pantera that well and we were like dude you know this song right like you know pantera he's like pantera was that the band on the mighty ducks <laughs> it's like dude of all ways to know Pantera, like that's what you know of them. I still couldn't tell you one of their songs. That's crazy. That's that's nuts to me. I don't know how you go through life. How old are you? 35. Yeah, like you're a good age. I'm 32. You're a good age that I feel like you should know Pantera. I don't know, dude. Well, like when I was younger, all I listened to, like when I was riding around with my dad or whatever, uh, all we listened to was like um, country western music so like i could tell you that stuff from back in like the 50s like the real stuff like merle and not Waylon. even that like uh like johnny uh not what's his name johnny yukon or whatever okay i mean it was like beyond me back. there so that's like the real stuff the yeah. real old west country <laughs> like people in texas and like yeah, arizona yeah. are like listening to that as they're driving cattle that's hilarious so what what's like your walkout music when you fought i, don't, I can't remember I walked out to Bad Company by Five Finger uh, Death Punch. Okay, Five Finger Death. That's a really good cover, dude. Yeah. I'll say. Like, I'm not the biggest Five Finger Death Punch fan in general, but their covers are really good. They are. And I, so that's one of the few covers that I've ever heard that's better than the original. Yeah. And Luke Combs just came out with uh, one for Fast Cars. Fast Car, that one slaps. Dude, <laughs> I, I love that. I've been playing that song Same. out. My wife and I have listened to that song like a billion times at this point. It's like every time we're in the car, like, hey, play Luke Combs' Fast Car. Yo, it's so good. I'm man. probably going to listen to it on the way home. There we here. go. Set the tone right there. But yeah, that's when I knew. I don't. That wasn't the first time we talked at Congreb, but, no. but that was like the first time that I got the glimpse into your personality big time. And I was like, he knows Mighty Ducks, but not Pantera. <laughs> Like that's saying something. I'm a child. Like I, I am a 35 year old <laughs> child. 
And now you have two Mighty Ducks jerseys, you said, or just one? Two. I got uh, Charlie Conway (laughs) and Fulton Reed. That's so good. Do people, people, like, talk to you when you're wearing it? Does it spark a conversation with people? No, not really. I've only worn them a couple times. Uh, One, it was to brunch. So, I mean, what else do you wear to brunch other than Mighty Mighty Ducks Ducks jersey, obviously. (laughs) And hope that they're playing Pantera at brunch. But, yeah. It doesn't really – Pantera's not really – brunch music i don't think think. so no no i don't think it'd be a weird brunch at any rate yeah like a bottomless mimosa maybe (laughs) at the end of that maybe you're ready for some pantera but yeah dude you need homework you have to listen to pantera just one i'll send you one song just give it a i I could do that okay i think i probably know their songs i just don't know what they're called you have to know at least a couple of them i would say it's just heavy it's good music Good, good music but yeah, I had this shirt and I was like, I'm definitely wearing this for, for Dempsey. That's beautiful. I wouldn't even have noticed if you didn't say anything, to be honest with you. I was like, I hope he notices. Yeah. Nah, that sucks. But <laughs> <laughs> your shirt, I love, dude. Who makes that? Uh, you just Am- found it? Amazon. I don't <laughs> you know. just found it on Amazon. You're like, I like this shirt. I have a lot of shirts that are just like real weird and I just find them in random places like um, Facebook ads or Instagram mm. ads. Like, oh, and TJ Maxx. You can, you can blame Cheyenne for that one. Nice. They got a lot of uh, Nickelodeon cartoons. Okay, so I wear a lot All of about Nickelodeon that cartoons. Yeah, top five Nickelodeon cartoons. Uh, Rugrats for sure. Number one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Doug Funny. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, Rocket Power. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked Angry Beavers. Yeah, dude, underrated. Angry Beavers, super underrated. I think I. Th- oh, I think Rocco's Modern Life is overrated. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't dislike it, but I think it's definitely overrated. Nice. Um, That's a hot take, I think. People love Rocco. I know. You might get shots. Wild Thornberries would probably be round out the five. Wow. I like the little crazy dude. That's a diverse list right there. <laughs> Wasn't he Flea? You know, Red Hot Chili Peppers bass player Flea? I think he did that dude's voice. I didn't I know could that. be wrong, but I, I think so. And... Tom, I could be wrong about that. I'm just giving false information this whole podcast. <laughs> We're Tom- going to fact check you. <laughs> yeah, literally. I need Snopes to fact check me. Uh, Tommy from Rugrats was a girl, I think, the voice. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. Look that up, Danny Palm. Look that up. And Bart Simpson was also a girl. I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm, well, Isn't Mila Kunitz um, uh, his sister? Didn't she do the voice? Or no, on, she did Meg. She was Meg on Meg Family Guy Family for sure. Guy. Dude, yeah. Anything Mila Kunis, I'm pretty well versed because she's come on, come on, dude, like celebrity crush for sure. I've been watching a lot of that '70s show lately. Yeah, rewatching that, so it's still hilarious. It's oh, it's yeah. Tommy Pickles was voiced by a girl. Wow. Boom. Okay, I'm not just spreading lies this whole podcast. Fact check one past <laughs> one for one. Now look up Bart Simpson. <laughs> let's let's run the list. Let's see how incorrect Hunter can be. We're going, we're one for one, though. Do you keep all this knowledge in those golden locks? That's where it is, yeah. Yeah, when I had short hair, dude, I was an idiot. Like, I was like, I gotta, gotta grow up. So back. you're telling me the secret. I gotta grow my hair out. I think it would not benefit you, honestly. Bart Simpson, also voiced by a woman. Boom. That's crazy. That is crazy. Now see if Flea did a voice on the Wild Thornberries. This is literally all this episode is. What does Hunter know about cartoons? I'm cool with talking about cartoons. Dude, same. I love talking about random stuff. Have you rewatched Rocco's Modern Life as an adult by chance? No. I n- I didn't really watch it as a kid. It, yeah, like, yeah. it wasn't it wasn't my favorite. I, like it, it just it was weird to me. 
Yeah, I never got it when I was a kid either, but like I rewatched it maybe when I was like 16 or 17. Dude, there's some like legit adult jokes that they were writing for the adults for sure that they were like, okay, the parents watching with their kids will like this. Disney does that all the time. Oh, yeah. All their movies oh, are yeah. like that. For sure. Flea voices Donnie Thornberry. Boom, dude. I'm telling you, I don't know why I know any of that because I'm honestly not like the biggest cartoon guy, I don't think at all, but. What about South Park? To, oh, yeah. South dude. Park is. If we if we were breaking from like Nickelodeon, just top five cartoons in general, like South Park's number one, yeah, I think. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, easily. Family guys, Family Guy's up there, but it doesn't beat South no, Park. No, no, it's it's a step behind, but it is like close. And there was a period of my life, like senior in high school, early college, when Family Guy was like peaking, and it was definitely better back then. I like South Park because they would just take that week's events, and, oh. and I don't know how they wrote it so fast. So fast, like, yeah. like that's impressive. It, and nobody was safe. It did, oh, there was oh. no like political agenda behind no. it. It was like if you did Both something sides. messed up, yeah. you're getting you're getting crushed this week. Oh, in South yeah. Park. Dude, they were equal opportunity for sure. <laughs> they were like, I don't care what side of the coin you're <laughs> on. If you do something dumb, we are annihilating you in a vicious way. Dude, there is a documentary, and I don't know what it's called, but it's about the making of a South Park episode. You I should would definitely because they literally explain how they do it so fast. So like what it boils down to basically is they have a studio in Colorado and again, you got fact check me on all this. It's been a long time since I've seen the documentary, but from what I remember <laughs> that South park does everything in house. Like they can create an episode from their studio by themselves. They'd have to, to get yeah. it done that fast. Though. Exactly. Whereas like somebody like family guy, the animation's all done in like Indonesia or overseas. So like, They'll write the episode and have like a storyboard and everything, but then somebody else has to like actually animate it for them. Whereas yeah. South Park's just doing it all themselves. And it's way more expensive, but faster. Right. And like you said, that was South Park in its peak where it was just like whatever happened that week, they were just they were they had it already. It's like, how are you already I, doing I, it? I think it was like season like fourteen or fifteen. I was in college at the time. Yeah. <laughs> but that season, they like I thought they were getting canceled for sure. <laughs> I know. Like they were they were ruthless and they like i didn't know you could think, air some of that stuff on tv exactly. to be honest with you and they just never I, I don't ever even remember them being in like hot water about it like it was never even discussed that maybe south park's a problem i wonder if it's because of the disclaimer they have at the beginning isn't that funny all voices are fictitious and all that it's like clearly them <laughs> like it's literally their name too yeah. <laughs> what do you mean it's a coincidence they yeah. don't even change one letter out of them like, no no it's like no this is caitlin jenner that's exactly who you think that is yeah but it's not allegedly the one episode they did it was uh penn state the catholic church and neverland ranch that one was the one i thought they were gonna i've get never seen on. that episode uh, oh my god i, I can't believe i haven't seen you. it that one i thought for sure they were get, they were done after that one that sounds brutal that <laughs> sounds like a recipe for south park they even yeah. threw some paps blue ribbon in a trailer park in the beginning <laughs> of it too I was like, oh. how do you tie this stuff together so well? Dude, they do. That's honestly, that's the second part. It's like, okay, it's the it's the weekly event and you made an episode, but they were making good, like creative, funny, and they always tied back together to some like message at the end. Like, dude, they're goats. Man Bear Pig, you remember him? Yeah, oh, yeah for sure. Al Gore, <laughs> Man Bear Pig. Dude. And he came back, I feel like, in Imagination Land episode. Yeah. <laughs> that was back. like, what, a three-part series yeah. for Imagination <laughs> yeah. Land? Oh, man. That's like when I was fully addicted to South Park. Whatever era that was, probably like 2009, 10-ish, I would say. Yeah. 
peaking for me. Crab people that crab lived underground. Crab people. <laughs> <laughs> they would just do the most ridiculous stuff, but then somehow, like, the episode would still be, like, smart and creative. It's yeah. like, how did you just make a turd have a message? <laughs> a literal yeah. turd. And it has a message for Mr. me. Mr. Hanky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, dude. Goats. And they've been going for, like, since 97, I want to say. That, something like that. that. I mean, that Simpsons have to be the only oh, yeah. one running longer. Oh, yeah. Simpsons were, like. 89 i want to say it's nuts like literally they're older than us the simpsons are as old as us it's makes i never no sense. got into the Simpsons. neither did i for some reason i probably love it i just never watched it uh, yeah i'm yeah. in the same boat right there that, why is that that doesn't make any sense for both of us <sighs> i don't know it's like we love all these things that they say the simpsons were their biggest influence but we never watched the the influence that i didn't have like we only had one tv when I was like younger and when I was way younger we didn't have cable we had like the bunny ears that's how old I am and so like as <laughs> probably because my parents were putting on whatever they wanted to watch so I just never got into it nice so you should have choked them <laughs> that's my answer to watching what you want just put them in that Dempsey front choke dude what's it like to be known as that guy now like you are known for your front chokes I don't know. Does I mean, it, is it cool to like have a signature technique? It's uh, yeah, I guess it's cool, <laughs> but like I never, I never really think about it. Like, uh, like John Mulgrave, uh, Evan's dad, the one time he like named it after me, and so like now everybody like calls it that, and I'm like, I won't do it. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm calling it something else. I won't call it after myself. <laughs> what <laughs> were they calling can, it? Just a Dempsey choke, or they what? They called it the Dempsecutioner. Dude, that's a sweet name. You gotta run with that, dude. You gotta run with that. I can't call it that. I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna let everybody else do it, but that, that's not me. <laughs> but when so. you do it, it's not that. Yeah, because now I sound like a like arrogant. arrogant. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like that. That's interesting. Who else? I'm trying to think of another. Like the, I don't know why Cody McKenzie's the only one I can think of. Like the McKenzie-teen. Did he call it that when he was guillotining people? Did he call it that? I'm not gonna lie. I don't even know who that is. Wow. <laughs> Wow, the shade. I'm sorry, Cody McKenzie. I'm going to pretend. No, he was on the Ultimate Fighter. He was this wild dude from Alaska, dude. He's one of my favorite. Like, this was back when I was covering the UFC. So I got to interview him a few times. He's like one of my favorite guys ever. Just literally would work on crab boats in Alaska in the off season. Like, when he didn't have a fight and it was crabbing season, he's like, dude, you can make $100,000 in a good crab season. I'm not going to make that in the UFC. Like, I got to do that. Awesome. So he would literally do like deadliest catch shit. <laughs> And then come fight, and he was just this dude, didn't like, not athletic, not a specimen by any means, but he would just guillotine everybody, like the high elbow guillotine that puts you to sleep fast. Well, we call that the Marcelo team. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. But he, (laughs) it's a great clip. Like you should look it up. I'll send it to you. He was on the Ultimate Fighter, and I'm gonna make up the numbers, but let's just say he was ten and zero coming into the Ultimate Fighter, and every win was a guillotine. So when he had his matchup in the house, it was like Koscheck versus GSP season. And he was on team GSP and he was fighting a guy on team Koscheck. And Koscheck was like, bro, whatever you do, avoid the guillotine. You know that's all he's going to look for. That's literally all he's going to want to do to you. And of course, they're building it up back and forth. Fight starts. Dude shoots a double. Mackenzie uh-huh. <laughs> guillotines him. And he's out cold literally in like 15 seconds. It's worst like, thing you, can you do. did the one thing you can't do against him. Yeah, it's a it's a great clip. But, dude, the amount of people he got with that was insane. Like, how are you so good at that? That was really before I started paying attention because I remember I remember watching the season finale for that 
mm-hmm. me, Shane Valco, and one of our other teammates were doing a uh, a seminar in North Carolina. And we were staying at the guy's house who was the coach of the high school. Mm. And uh, he had like a guest house. So we were staying in there. And uh, we watched the season finale at that house. And that's the only reason I even know what time frame that that was. That's crazy. I was still in college. I, w- I wasn't really even watching MMA or anything at that point. That's kind of, I'm glad you said that because I wanted to get into that with you. Because obviously a distinguished wrestling career all through college. When did MMA get on your radar? Uh, it was my, it was either my red shirt year. So I started my freshman year and then I red shirted, uh, my second year. And then I continued after that. So it was either that red shirt year or the year after coach Pecora came up to me and was like, Hey, Carlton Hasselrig is, is, uh, starting to fight. He needs somebody to work out with. Do you want to work out with him? And I was like, of course I want to work out with him. He's a legend. <laughs> yeah. And so I worked out with him in the wrestling room up there and like, just kind of like, me and him hit it off and we came became like real good friends and just kind of continued on that path and coach wouldn't let me fight while I was in school so as soon as I graduated or nationals was in March and I had my first fight in May right Mm. after that so it was like a month after graduation were you basically just a wrestler fighting in a cage like were you super raw at that point with everything yeah I mean I didn't take a striking class till after my first fight in UFC that's how like how's that possible i got i got a brick head (laughs) dude that's so ridiculous so you were like you had like 11 11 pro fights maybe before you got Mm -hmm. to the us so no you didn't take striking classes that whole time no like i would spar and like yeah like we would like kind of work on stuff me and isaac would but I never took a striking class till after that that's wild so that that's when you started working with lay shock was he your striking coach or um i can't remember who i worked with first um i worked with lay shock a little bit i worked with tommy and Kella a little bit um philip amaris yeah. was, a, oh, was a a big influence on me i mean he uh i would go up sunday mornings at 8 a.m and i lived like an hour away Ugh. And uh, so I'd go and I'd work an hour with Philip, and then uh, I'd go and work in with one of our other coaches who's not there an hour after that, and then I would have practice right after. Mm. So like that was that was really when I started working on my striking. Um, after I got knocked out and figured out that hey, should probably maybe I don't know anything. <laughs> should probably try this. Well, the all the names you just named, all three guys are awesome to work with. So it just mm-hmm. shows like the scene in Pittsburgh is awesome man dude fighters are pretty spoiled with the quality around here yeah. in every level i mean you could talk about grappling and what you guys in the mat factory have done for the area for sure the level of quality and the way everybody kind of cross trains i just it's a good community for sure and you are super interesting in that you were part of the first wave and now are still part of like what i feel is kind of like the second wave happening now that you can feel like, how have you seen the community change, and what's what's that been like for you being a part of kind of the, the boom period when it was all you guys going to the UFC and everything? So, when it, like, at first, when I moved back from Johnstown, I moved, like, I was living with Carlton when I graduated, and uh, so I moved back to Pittsburgh, and uh, fight, uh, Pittsburgh Fight Club was, mm-hmm. they, they were trying to, like, get me there, but, like, I was... I had already talked to Isaac. We both went to UPJ. Like I was going to the math factory. Like I've known Isaac since I was a freshman in college. So I was going there. And so the guy who owned the Pittsburgh Fight Club at the time, 
he was kind of mad at me, so he went around talking trash to me about me to oh, Kama and Wilkins and, and Cherico and all those guys. So there was kind of like like some tension there. And then when Cody fought Dom, mm. and there was some more tension there. And then one day we all just figured out that we all liked each other, but it was everybody else just <laughs> that was talking trash to each other about us right. to each other. And we're like, we don't need those guys. And those guys aren't here anymore. Wow. Everybody who kind of figured out, hey, we need to do this together. Because if you go to Florida, if you go to California, uh, Vegas, you have those big super gyms. You have the partners and and the resources you need out of those gyms in one location. So there's a, there's really a lot of confrontation there. But in Pittsburgh, we don't have that. Like, mm -hmm. There's not a gym in Pittsburgh that you can say, hey, has all the resources they need to get and maintain in the UFC. So you we, we need to work together. And I mean, when I go away on trips and stuff, if Isaac's not there and, and, and Mike's there, Mike coaches me. Uh, and like, we have a really good like, like repertoire or whatever that word is. Yeah, um, rapport. Rapport. There we go. Uh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> Told you I was a blockhead. Um, <laughs> that, that, like, I mean, he coached me at my first ADCC trials, like way back That's before sick, COVID man. and everything. So um, we we just figured out that the people who want to keep us separate are separated and they don't really want to see what's best for us. And so it's nice to calm is coaching in his gym. Mike's coaching at Stout. Uh, I'm coaching at the math factory. So we already have that relationship built up. And so if somebody comes in and, and they try to get in between that that and between us we kind of just like no nah. just shut it down right yeah, away get yeah. out of here yeah that's awesome man i think the community here is super special and obviously now being a different kind of part of it with 247 and everything it's been cool to see and cool to see it grow i think we just noticed it recently like bippy 16 our card in april and then this card coming up in july on july 15th we noticed like it's way easier to fill a card now, man. Like we can overbook a card now. There's so many guys, yeah. so many guys right now. And there's a lot of a lot of factory guys that we couldn't match and we'll, won't have matches now because the card's just full. And it sucks because I want Cody Gamble on the card and I want all these guys like Elijah Davis on the card. I know we're working on something with Edwin right now, which by the time this comes out might be done. That'd be cool. So we'll see about that. But yeah, like there's these guys who we really want them on the card well, there's literally not space now. Yeah. So it's hard. That sucks. And for you, that's a good problem to have. For us as coaches, Frustrating. not so much yeah. a good problem to have. Because you want them to stay active for sure. Yeah. And so then we have to start going to, to get them to travel. Like uh, the two weeks, I got to go out to Columbus with uh, with, with uh, Jay Pip. Mm -hmm. And so we were trying to get somebody else on that card so that, we're, that we could have a, a crew go out with us. Yep. But now we're gonna have to do kind of what off one offs like Bobby's fighting in Erie a couple yep. a couple weeks after that and Morgantown's not far away we got a couple people that are are, are hopefully gonna be on that card and mm -hmm. uh, so it's nice when we have two or three people to travel like that right but the the one offs that like that that kind of it, it it puts it a little bit harder because then you're traveling this weekend then you're traveling for one person that weekend and it's you you. You don't get as much time with the guys in the gym. Mm -hmm. Like I know when I was going down to Florida, like Henry Hoof, when it, back then it was Black Zillions, but uh, he he was in he was in the gym like Tuesday or Monday, Tuesday, and sometimes Wednesday. But then he was gone again because 
he was cornering somebody yep. every single weekend. And so somebody like him who who has that name and who has that super gym down there, he can bring other coaches in and everything to to kind of fill the gap. But you don't get as much time and, and as much uh, uh, working with those guys to, to kind of coach them a little bit better. Yeah, it's an interesting balance. And I think Wilkins was just telling me about this as well. I'm making up the number, but he said that he was – away for like 40 out of 52 weekends last year and that's just that's a nutso stat man he has kids yeah yeah he has kids he still competes a little bit he's mostly coaching it's like his schedule's nuts man it's the way stout has grown i i don't know numbers of enrollment for any gyms but they have to be the biggest gym in the area in terms of they have three or four locations yeah i mean the amount of students that wilkins is (laughs) responsible for matching and stuff like i don't even know how he keeps up with it dude well, they have they have uh, a full time coaching staff, too. right? Like, so that's right. that's the difference. And like, everybody has their own like advantages and disadvantages of price and size mm-hmm. and, and everything like that, and coaching staff. But uh, what helps them is they have I don't know how many, but I'm gonna guess at least four or five full time coaches on staff. So. Yeah. They don't have to go and sell heating and air conditioning during the day and then go take care of everything at night. So yeah. that probably helps out a little bit for those That's guys. Speaking from experience there. <laughs> it is a little warm in here. You guys need a new system? Dude, I, I'm telling you, you need to talk to the landlord. It's warm and loud. So, I mean. We got these new uh, condensers fully inverting. I'm telling you, won't hear a sound. Yeah. You hear that, Tom? Tom, listen to Chris Dempsey. Let him put in a new <laughs> condenser. <laughs> but yeah, dude, we're, we're it's it's interesting to say the least to watch guys like you said, you Wilkins, comma like you guys are part of that generation of when Pittsburgh MMA was just absolutely you still got booming. Nick Brown fighting. Nick Brown's too, still so going. Like, yeah, you got those guys down at All American. Yeah, that, like they cross train with us all the time too. I mean, it's it's crazy to really think about how long we've all been together and. We don't see each other every day, but we see each other enough to kind of keep in contact and everything. And that's really cool. It is really cool. I, I I have really enjoyed the trip that it's been so far. Yeah, and for you personally, man, I mean, your grappling career, you made it to the UFC, so obviously that's the top level of MMA. But as a grappler, your ceiling might be even higher. I don't know, dude. You seem like grappling is even a better fit for you than MMA ever was. I want to get into some combat jiu-jitsu. Oh, uh, nice. That's, <laughs> that's, where, that's where I think I can really uh, really kind of excel. Yeah? Because, I mean, you can't hit anybody on their feet. Right, right. As soon right. as you go, as soon as your knee touches or your butt touches, then I can smack you as hard as I can as many times as I want. So. Have you practiced? Like, have you ever messed around with yeah. guys just doing it? Yeah. And you're you're just a beast at it? I, I really enjoy it, and, you, and generally the people that I go against don't really enjoy it. So we'll just put it that way. Uh, that's the least shocking thing I've ever heard, for sure. Let's be clear. At Sprawl in the Berg, there are no slaps allowed, Dempsey. Please don't slap Brad Schneider on the ground. Are you sure? I mean, It is in a cage. Let's be honest. There's no commission there. Like This isn't like... Well, that's it's the not like MMA. Company. Yeah, that, yeah. Because you yeah. need the, the commission. Well, there's... Yeah, that's why they have worlds for combat jiu-jitsu in Mexico. Uh, yeah. I think it's Mexico City. Or, I didn't know that. That's yeah, interesting. Because you have to get it because you're As, hitting people. Right, right. You have to get it run through their commission. Yeah. I heard about, I'm not going to say the gym in case it's wrong. I don't want to incorrectly incriminate them. But I heard of a gym that ran its own like combat jiu-jitsu tournament in, in Pennsylvania. And the commissioner got wind of it and like everybody who competed got suspended. 
So it's, really? yeah, dude, it's just not worth it. Just not worth the hassle. But that said, we can obviously have MMA fights. Like, could we have combat jujitsu if the commission was there and we just did a sanctioned yeah. combat jujitsu? Hundred percent. West Virginia just had one. Uh, Zach Cumberton just competed yeah, on one true. down in West Virginia a couple weeks ago. Mm, I mean, it would have to be on an MMA or a boxing right, card. Uh, it right. Wouldn't have to. It couldn't be a grappling card. Okay, that makes sense. I think we. Uh, if you're looking for somebody, I know a guy. You know somebody would be interested in that. Yeah. Nice, dude. All. <laughs> All you guys would be interested in that. I feel like Julian would be super interested in that. Like so many of you guys, yeah, that that's a perfect fit. But dude, the matchup with Brad Schneider in general, we obviously have to talk about that. Sprawl on the Berg, like when when that came together, I was so hyped. And to have you on the card is obviously a no brainer. Like we can't do a grappling super fights in Pittsburgh without Dempsey on the card. But to find you an opponent like Schneider, who is kind of in that same realm as you, like super talented, super accomplished and decorated. He's a tough challenge, man. And definitely, definitely respect for taking that matchup. What what do you guys look at when you evaluate a grappling matchup versus a fight? Like what kind of stylistic matchups are you looking for? Um, it, it all it all depends on who's who we're looking for or the, how long they've been grappling, what what belt they are, things like that. But like for me, <clears throat> it really didn't matter. Uh, because like I, I I'm in that like I'm in a place now where like I'm trying to be one of the best in the world mm -hmm. and so it, it now at this point I kind of have to make sure that I'm ready for no matter who is going to be there mm -hmm. and I'm I'm happy that I get to go against somebody like Brad because our styles are completely different I mean I, I don't know if you can find two more opposite styles but he's he is a top level grappler in the world and he has competed in uh all over the world i think i mean i think i seen he was in europe and then i think he's competed in africa and stuff like wow. that so i mean he he's up there and i see him in a lot of the big tournaments and stuff i talk to him and he's a nice kid and everything like that so it's it's nice for me to get somebody that that will test me and it's not just somebody that they're just throwing them in there just to get a match in there. exactly that was very important to us like when we first First matchup we announced, PJ Barch and Dante Leon. We were like, we want competitive, good grappling. Like, I want the kind of stuff, because I used to work for Flow Sports. I was like, I want to build a card that would be on Flow Grappling. Like, that's what I feel like people want to see, and that's, I think, what we're giving them. And that's the only way you're going to sell tickets Dude, for a grappling match. Exactly. That's a, that was my thought, too, is like, if we're going to do this, we can't just do white belt versus white belt down the street. Like, nobody's really going to. Their friends gonna, are their coming. Their friends are coming. It. Yeah, exactly. So... I think the product that we've created with this card is really sick, man. Like we were saying before it started, there's another matchup coming that I think people are going to be very excited about too yep. down the pipe. But then even like getting Lowry back, man, like that's, I'm super excited to see Jake again. Yep. He's got a tough matchup and it's just like all over the place. The matchups are good. Yeah. I, I'm mad at you guys for that matchup. Why? Because I train with Tanner and Jake all the time. And I'm like, come on. Like, <laughs> Don't make me pick between these I two. I was down uh, stout last couple Fridays ago and uh, uh, Warren was rolling with Tanner and uh, Warren comes over afterwards and he starts talking about the matchup. And I was like, Warren, I can't help you here. And he just started laughing and walked away. He's yeah. like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I was going to try. I was going to try. So blame Wilkins for that, though, because this this is kind of funny. So you know for MMA, like, we run every matchup through the coaches. We're yeah. never just making fights without coach approval. Wilkins for grappling said, if any of my students reach out 
The answer is yes, if you have somebody. He's like, don't even ask me. You don't have to run matchups past me. He's like, I don't care. Whoever it is, it's grappling. It's fine. I let him take it. So that's that's how he instructed us to match. Well, I'm mad about the match for selfish reasons, yeah, not right. for anything else. Right, right. I'm glad that both of them are on the card. I would Same. Just, I would like to see them <laughs> go against somebody that's not each other. What's? I mean, it's a sick matchup, though. Yeah, like, for I, sure. As it's somebody who has worked with both of them, I'm not asking you to give secrets, but like, don't you feel that that is an appropriate match? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, but it's it's kind of like the same thing as when uh, Kama got his his uh, break into the UFC, but it was against Devontae, mm, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm I, I was in Nashville for that fight, and I went and I was watching it, and I'm like, I want to see them both win. Like, I like yeah, both the guys, yeah. and like. It, it was like it's bittersweet because you want to see both of them win, but you don't want to see either one of them lose too. For so. sure. And Kama had to take that match because I mean that was that was his break in, so it, it worked out great uh, for both of them. Uh, but I hate to see both of my friends fighting each other. Yeah, I totally get that. I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like in grappling, guys are less concerned about losing. Yeah. Yeah. Like in general, it just seems like guys are more willing to take matchups that maybe aren't favorable or whatever. And in this kind of situation, like if Jake loses or if Tanner loses, it's not going to break your heart as much as if they actually fought MMA and one of them lost. Yeah. I mean, because in grappling, yeah, you go to sleep, mm. maybe break an arm. But when you're getting knocked out, yeah, like that's that's a completely different issue. Yeah, for sure. I think the main event, also we touched on it, Barch and Leon, you actually grappled, you faced Leon once, yeah. right? And then PJ, you guys are real close with at the Matt Factory, so I'm sure. Yeah, he's been in for a couple uh, seminars. Right. So. so you know both of those guys probably pretty decently. Like, what do you think of that? And obviously they've competed against each other. Right. But what do you think as somebody who's been in there with one of them and rolled with the other one? Um. Like, so I, that is, I mean, you're looking at two guys who are probably top five in the world. And uh, at their respective weight classes, uh, uh, and uh, it, it's it, who's going to make the tactical mistake? I think, and it, it's they're both so high level that there's going to be. I think there's going to be some good scrambles. I think there's going to be some good uh, uh, defense out of submissions and things like that. And uh, I, the the only thing I worry about with a match like that, and I don't think it's going to happen because they have grappled against each other before, is that. Sometimes when you get two really good people, they're afraid to make a mistake, mm. and so it's a boring match. Mm-hmm. But because they have grappled against each other before, I think that that's not going to be an issue. So I think you're going to see some uh, some real some real good scrambles, some real good uh, submission defenses, and I think it's going to be real offensive. That's awesome. I think. Do you do you have an advantage competing in a cage a lot, or is that? I believe so. Okay. I was wondering, like, do the grapplers feel like the cage makes a huge difference or no? I mean, so the biggest difference is uh, there's no out of bounds. Right. And so if you don't work on cage work or, or wall work and, and you're just worrying about getting out of bounds, then that changes the game up big time. And, I mean, depending on what style you have, uh, you have your butt scooters, you have your people who try to – come in and explode and you have your more MMA uh, type of guys who are going to like wear that wear down on you and things like that. But uh, the, the cage changes, it changes everything. If you have never competed in one before Mm -hmm. and uh, it'll be interesting. I know the fury just had that card 
couple weeks ago, and it was, there was no cage, but most of the matchups were grapplers versus MMA type of guys. And the grapplers came in and they showed out. Mm-hmm. And that that map is huge. And I mean, I've been on that map before. It's probably the biggest one I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And uh, your guys' cage is very small. Right. So that, that I think, is going to change uh, the game plan up a lot for a lot of people. And we'll see if everybody can adjust on the fly to that. Yeah, I'm pretty intrigued by that, honestly. I think it's a fun dimension. Like you said, Fury's doing their thing with the giant mat. I don't think the world needs another giant mat submission only grappling tournament like that that the cage is going to help set us apart a little bit i think yeah and, and i i think it'll bring more mma people into grappling as mm-hmm. well yeah for sure and from a production standpoint what i love is that it's going to look a lot like the fights like we're yeah. going to have really good camera angles for everybody and like different cameras and the walkouts like all that stuff is just going to look the same as our fights which i feel like fury Fury's production's great. Like they do the same thing. They just yeah. change it from a mat to a cage, but everything else is the same. Exactly. Yeah. Which makes perfect sense for them too. So that's cool, man. I'm obviously very excited about it. But Brad, I want to talk about Brad specifically because he is I don't how tall is he? He seems like a very tall, Let's lanky say six guy. One, six two. Okay. I thought he was even a little taller than that. He might be, but yeah. probably around six two, I'm guessing. Okay. Is his because his build you guys are just built a little different, I would say. He's more of that long, lanky long lanky limbs and all that is that do you prefer going against a guy like that or do you like a more squat like wrestler type build does Uh, it matter it doesn't really matter i mean you definitely have to change your game plan up to depending on like if somebody's going to come in and try to wrestle me like okay whatever but like whether they're um somebody's going to go underneath try to uh kind of sweep you or go for leg locks or if somebody's uh like a sit-up kind of kimura like you you do have to change your game plan up and how you grapple like positioning and it's it's small little details uh especially at at the level that he is at i mean Mm -hmm. you have to uh you have to make sure that you you can't your hand can't slip a little too far this way your foot can't slip a little too far that way or they're going to take advantage of that so it definitely changes it up a little bit but it, it doesn't really matter who it is I've been super impressed by your transition to like a pure grappling focus and how quickly you've established yourself. What have you noticed like the differences of the pro grappling circuit versus grappling for MMA? How different is the preparation on your part? Uh, Preparation for me, um, it's just so I don't have to work out as much. So before I'd have to go uh, boxing, running, running. lifting whatever so now i get to take all those striking things out and just kind of focus on everything else plus i'm older now so i have to make sure that i uh recover more Mm -hmm. uh so that that's kind of been a little bit easier on that side but other than that it's not for me it's not really a big change like I, i try to prepare the same way no matter what but um the biggest thing that i notice is people who are really into like grappling in the jiu-jitsu world uh and and brad is one of these people because we had uh we had a little uh uh argument back in not me and him but him and i was dom actually back in a uh a tournament a couple years ago in cleveland and the grapplers are really really into the rules Mm. where the mma guys come in and they don't even know what the rules are (laughs) when i made the transition at first i lost i lost matches because I thought I won them. I just wow. didn't know the rules. 
Wow. And so that I think that's the biggest difference is they they study things like that right. a lot more. And uh, grapplers or MMA people are like, okay, well, I'm just going to punch you in the face. But <laughs> in a grappling match, you can't do that. So <laughs> learn the rules better. Like <laughs> That's hilarious. Have you enjoyed uh, – because obviously this is submission only, so – no points are going to be tallied as you guys go, obviously. But have you enjoyed the tournaments where you do have to kind of play the game, so to speak, and know where you're getting points and why you're getting points? Um, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand it. And, like, uh, um, I, I do see why they do it and stuff. And so I, I have learned the rules, and I've, like, gotten a lot better at that, and that's a part of the success that I've had. But – too many people play the rules, mm-hmm. especially when you go to a lot of the IBJJF events. They're like, you can see when they, people are just like, okay, okay, you got 30 seconds left, score now. And they're just stalling out before that. And a lot of people lose that way, but a lot of people win that way. And if, if it's like a lot of, the, <laughs> I hate to say it, but a lot of the Brazilians, they will do that. And they will play the game. They will play, they know the rules inside and out at IBJJF. And they'll wait until they need to, and then they'll hold on and they'll score and win on a takedown or a sweep or whatever it is. It's wild. I think it's way more fun for a viewer. I mean, I totally respect that from an athlete perspective. Like that is winning the game. That's you play to win the game, right? That's what they all say. So I get that. But at the same time, as a viewer and like in terms of growing the sport, it's the most boring stuff ever to watch, man. It just is. Look at wrestling. Wrestling, nobody wanted to watch wrestling until mm-hmm. KL went to Penn State and those guys like Nolf and Bo Nickel and all those guys came in and they were offense, 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 offense. Yep. That's the only reason that uh, wrestling had even got a foothold anywhere. Exactly. It's because, I mean, look at the NBA. There's no defense played in the NBA. Look at the NFL. All the rules are set up to score points. Like People want to see offense. And so when you play that points game, you don't get that offense and nobody wants to watch it. Yeah. I think Bo Nickel, I don't, who are we just talking about? Maybe it was the Taylor Cahill episode. We were just saying how Bo is somebody that, even if you don't know wrestling, because traditionally people who watch wrestling, collegiate wrestling, also wrestle. Like right. you, it's just people who love it that and right. do it. But Bo Nickel's a guy that you could watch even as just like an NFL fan and like, hey, watch this dude's match real quick. What do you think? And it's like fun to watch, yeah. even just as a casual guy. Well, even Jason, Jason Nolf is just like that. For I sure. Mean, and he's another math factor guy. Isaac and, and Brandon Newell coached him all the way up through. And yeah. uh, uh, he, 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 he'll give up two, three takedowns or whatever just because he's trying new stuff and he's That's being so offensive nuts. because so he nuts. knows he's going to break you and yeah. he's going to beat you. So, like, it, it's guys like that who they're not afraid to lose. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're just going to throw everything in the kitchen sink out of you. And, and they're like, okay, I might get down, but guess what? I'm I'll be gonna, right. I'm gonna beat you. Don't be worry right. about it. That takes some balls, man. Especially when you yeah. get against elite competition to yeah. feel like I'm gonna do it against you too, dude. Like I'm gonna do the same thing to you that I've been doing to guys my whole life. Yep. It's wild. Do you follow grappling like really closely? Are you watching every tournament? Are you like into it? Or are you just kind of no? Um. <laughs> <laughs> the way you said no. <laughs> do you know who Gordon Ryan is, Dempsey? Have you heard of this guy? <laughs> all right i'll tell you a story uh, this is a pantera story uh, no it's not but it's it's a wilkins story uh, and so you can call uh wilkins and fact check me on this one <laughs> okay we were at uh 
was my first ADCC trials out in New Jersey. This was before the pandemic. So it was like 2017 or 19. I don't remember which year it was. But uh, Mike was coaching me. And I I came in and I had never, I never even heard of ADCC before the tournament. And so I went in and I had the number two or the number one seed second match. And I go out and I beat him. And so this guy who has these like genie pants on and like they're like pajama pants and like he looked weird. Like he just looked like a weird guy. He comes up to me and he was like, hey, good match. And Wilkins was standing up next to me. And I go, bro, who is that weirdo? <laughs> and he goes, that's Gordon Ryan. He's uh, he's the number one guy in the world at your weight class right now. <laughs> I was like, oh, OK, my bad. <laughs> genie pet dude i remember the king gordon phase for sure that must have been peak then dude so that's hilarious you didn't know who it was uh-uh. beautiful did you have to face him that was he not competing or what no that was just trials so he okay. wasn't competing okay was he kind of like oh i guess obviously number one in the world i was gonna say was he gordon ryan yet but clearly, i think he's that on was his way just at the beginning of yeah. his like run of like yeah being like the greatest sure did you follow him at all after that no like you still don't really know much about him. All I know is that he is off steroids and looks like a <laughs> junior high kid. <laughs> Dude, okay, let's talk about that because this is this is interesting to me as an outsider. Like Gordon Ryan is very upfront that he uses steroids. Like he just talks about it plainly. He's like, "Yeah, of course I do. Like look at me, I use steroids obviously." But so do a ton of other top-level grapplers and it just seems like it's okay in grappling. Like how, like, how do I'm you never feel gonna about say it? It's okay. I'm yeah. never gonna. That's like if there was no law that says you can't rob a bank and be like, I'm gonna go rob a bank and then tell everybody I robbed a bank and <laughs> it's okay now. Yeah. Like, okay, there's no rules, but IBJJF just passed them. There's no rules in ADCC, and so he's kind of normalized it for everybody, and, and I hate it. Mm-hmm. And I, I really do, and it's one of the main reasons I don't like him. I mean. The the Rotolo the, the brothers, like, I love those kids. <laughs> the one of them came out after ADCCs and was like, hey, I want to see, see a clean drug test for you for six months, and then we'll whoop your ass. Nice. And so, like, I love it that there's people like that because – how are you going to tell these kids, oh, yeah, just take steroids and you're going to be good at uh, good at grappling? It's it's a terrible example to set. And you're going to say that you're you're the one who's the number one guy in the world. And he's done a lot for grappling. Grappling wouldn't be where it is without him. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give him that credit. But hold yourself to a higher standard. If you're going to be that number one guy and you're going to be the face of the sport, then be a good person. Yeah. Like, do the right things. I'm totally like, obviously I don't compete or anything. So I'm totally on the fence, but I see both sides completely where he's like, if the guys I'm going to be facing are on steroids, I also want to be on steroids. The guys I'm facing are on steroids. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm not. That's the counter to it. So how do you feel about that? Like knowing that you're going to be facing guys that are on steroids. I want to break them. Nice. I want to just, I want to smash their face into the mat and I want to make them have the most miserable time in the entire world. That's beautiful. That's well put. <laughs> Dempsey poetry. <laughs> That's hilarious. So have, have you always had that? Because for sure you've had like the nasty edge with your grappling for a long time. Was that even in your wrestling days where you just yeah. gritty, dirty? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't the best athlete. And so I just won on meanness. Mm-hmm. And Coach Bacora, uh, he always said that like 
the way I wrestled, it reminded him of Jack Dempsey. And he's like, he's not even allowed to throw punches, but still these kids are coming off the mat and they're just like, what in the hell just happened to me? <laughs> and I was rolling with, I think it was Jake, Jake Lowry. We were, we were doing matches and uh, he, we were doing like points matches. He ended up beating me two nothing in the match. And uh, I right at the end, I got him in a guillotine and I was trying to finish it hard, <laughs> like real hard. And so I got up and he, we, he walked away and, like he was like grabbing his neck a little bit and I came back and I was just like, Are you okay? And he's like, yeah, because he's just coming off of that. Right. And, uh, he, I was like, well, you won. Like you beat me. It's two nothing. And uh, he goes, dude, I don't even care. Even if I beat you, I'm still miserable. <laughs> and I still feel like I lost. And so it might sound mean, but when, if I'm out there, I want to make you feel like you lost, even if you won. Yeah. How do you flip that switch? Because you're, you're a super nice guy. Literally every time I've been around you, you're awesome to be around. Like I just, what's the switch for you? Carlton, Carlton really helped me with that. Uh, I mean, Carlton was, I mean, he's six time national champ, beat Kurt Angle, played in the NFL, went to the Pro Bowl. I mean, he's just hands down the best athlete and the toughest dude that I've ever met in my entire life. And he was also the nicest guy. And he was, he, he was just like, you could tell that he knew, like, if something happens, he could take care of it. But why be mean to everybody? Why be a jerk to everybody when they are already kind of afraid of him to begin with? Mm. So, like, I just kind of took that mentality is like, why, why make people even more uncomfortable than some people already are? Or just like have fun, enjoy life. Like mm -hmm. that's what it's all about. Like some people want money, fame, whatever. Like I just want to in, enjoy life and be happy. For sure. Carlton's an awesome example for you. Obviously a great role model for you, but you kind of said it a little bit, but he doesn't get enough credit, man, for no. what he did. People don't talk about him enough. And I just wanted to give you the opportunity to talk about him more. That was one thing that I wanted to get into for sure. I'm like, dude, we got to do some Hasselrig stories for sure, because he's just criminally underappreciated. I mean, they like, so his, his cousin is, uh, are Andrew and Artrell Hawkins. Andrew's a, uh, a, uh, sportscaster on ESPN. Now he was wide receiver for the, uh, Browns for a little okay. bit. And then the Bengals as well. Uh, he was on that show with, uh, Michael Irvin to get a chance to play in the NFL. Gotcha. And he, Michael Irvin told, our, uh, Andrew, he's like, I wish, I wish I could give you this contract because you definitely deserved it. But since he was like five six, he was just like, well, wow. I'm gonna give it to this other guy who ended wow. up who ended up not panning out yeah. anyway. And yeah. it's just like everything oh, that this wild. show's about, and then you just and you didn't even give it to me anyway. But Brutal. I saw him do an interview. It was him and Rod Woodson. And Rod uh Rod Woodson played with Carlton. Okay. And so they were talking about it. You can find it on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about uh um Carlton and uh Rod Woodson was just like, you walk in that locker room and everybody knew. Everybody knew who was in charge of that locker room, no matter what. And he was. He was he was such an intimidating presence. But then he also made you feel like you were important all the time, too. Mm. Like he he was always he's always there to pay attention. He if you had questions, he was there. He's trying to help you. He's joking around. Like they offered him a job coaching the offensive line at the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he was he turned him down. And he said, "No, I want to. I want to spend time with my family." And he ended up coaching his son's uh, wrestling team and, and football team up in Johnstown. Like, nice. And like he had a, he had a bad run uh, for a little bit there when he was like right at the end of his NFL career. And so there's a lot of people in Johnstown that that 
say bad things about him and mm-hmm. and that makes me mad because they don't they don't even know him they don't want to try to know him they he was such a good guy on top of being a good athlete and nope nobody even knows who he is like they have the the book uh that they just wrote about him uh, a few years ago it's called the the giant slayer i mean some of the stories in that book like they're, they're unreal and people like people probably read it and think it's fiction but yeah. like i knew carl and i'm like Yep. Yeah. (laughs) There's no doubt in my mind that that happened. (laughs) I'm going to have to read that. But you said something that right off the bat, you're like, people hear things and think think it's fiction. Six-time national champion. Like, how's that even possible for people? I mean, obviously, I know the story. But explain explain for listeners how you can even do that. So the the NCAA made a rule. It's called the Carlton Hasselberg rule. Uh, And it's because he won nationals his sophomore year uh, at Division II for UPJ. And then at that time, if you won nationals, you got to go wrestle in the Division One tournament, which was the weekend after. So he won Division Two, then he won Division One, and did it three years in a row. <laughs> That's so ridiculous, man. We just uh, I, we were just in uh, Moon there because they're trying to do a documentary on him, and uh, I was there with Kurt Angle, and Kurt Angle said he was like, I actually I've redshirted my junior year because I wanted to win a national title, mm-hmm. so he redshirted. Because he knew he couldn't to get away Carl. from him. Yeah, that's wild. What yeah. a story, man! And he won an Olympic gold. Everybody in the world knows who, who Kurt Angle is. Kurt Angle is afraid of Carlton uh, on the mats. That's nuts, dude. So, what do you think it is with Carlton? I mean, sound like that's super admirable that he wanted to just spend time with his family, didn't pursue more. But like, what do you think the disconnect is that more people don't know about him? I think just people like so. I honestly don't know. Like, like, what more does a guy need to do? You know, <laughs> I think it's because he's done so many different things right. at a great level, right? That he didn't like, like he didn't have a fourteen year career in the mm-hmm. NFL, or he didn't mm-hmm. win a, a Olympic gold medal, or or something like that. So it was he was good. He was really good at everything, but because he didn't stick with one thing, maybe that's why the people don't know who he is. But I mean, he's if. if if you got to be around him, it, uh, it's it's something different, and like you really you can really understand it. I, I can't even explain it because it's just like it's a feeling you get when you're around him. You're just like you know that he's great and just he's gonna be great at whatever he did. Yeah, and like yeah, he had natural ability and he had he had a lot of those those natural things that he needed. But he also worked hard, man. He worked. He he really he he busted his ass. Clearly, nobody has that much natural ability to do no. what he did. Like no. you got to put in the work. Did he fight? Yeah. That's okay, how, I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. But he he uh, he fought Sean Jordan. I remember at, uh, at wow. Civic Arena, the LSU fullback. That yeah. Went, okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. He uh, that was Phil Davis fought on that card. Oh wow. That was that was before nice. they built the new arena. That was I was still in college at that who, time. Who who what promotion? I don't even remember. That, but it wasn't like Bellator or anything. No, Nothing it, no, like, it was. So that was when Phil Davis had just graduated, wild. and so everybody was building Phil Davis okay. up there. Okay. Tito Ortiz was the announcer for that fight. That's hilarious. Uh, and like, I, I don't even know. I have no idea who who did that. I, I kind of want to go look at. Yeah, it now no, because, I want to know too. Because it was a huge, it In was Pittsburgh, a huge show. Yeah, obviously you said Civic Arena. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I don't know who would have had the finance, yeah, ability right. to do that. <laughs> yeah, just bring it to Pittsburgh. It wasn't one of the big guys. It wasn't Bellator or anything like that. But 
Dude, that's I feel like I should obviously know that being in this space, but like you you think of Pittsburgh promotions and it's like Pinnacle, Gladiators, and us. It like was a, before yeah, them. Yeah, it was before it had Pinnacle to be. or like like years before then they even came in. I, it had to just be when PA legalized MMA. It had to be one of the first shows in, in PA after it was legalized. I wonder if it was like King of the Cage or somebody came it in. It might have been like, King of the Cage. It was June two thousand nine. Okay. Yeah. Who, does it say the promotion? On topology, it just says Pennsylvania Regional. <laughs> Pennsylvania. That, so there like wasn't that, a promotion. It was just like we don't even know who this was. Don't it worry might have about been, it. It might have been the guys from Cage of Chaos. Ah, because I those guys that. were close with Carlton. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Nice. Did he win? Did he beat Sean Jordan? No. He, I was going to say that'd be so ridiculous. No, he had to be way older than Sean Jordan too, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Carlton didn't start fighting until he was like forty-five. Like he was That's in his forties when dude. he started. That's fighting. absurd. Yeah, so that that had to be a crazy matchup. What happened though in the fight? Um, I just remember it ended where Carlton was uh, laying on his stomach and like Sean Jordan was throwing punches and Carlton was just looking up at the ref. He's like, "These don't hurt," <laughs> and the ref just stopped it because he wasn't defending them. Uh-huh. But, like he was looking at the ref like, "What? Like yeah. this? This is nothing." Like, but I can't move, but yeah. I'm fine. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of frustrating. I, stoppages like that are always kind of iffy, for yeah, sure. But, but I get it. You, like you said, you got to play the rules, I guess. If he's telling you to defend yourself and you're not doing anything, then he's going to stop it. Yeah. But for pros, I think you, you let it go a little bit. Yeah. I think the last time Pippins was involved in a situation like that, like his fight with Dan Albright, I felt like that was like a debatable stoppage, for sure. I wasn't sure. there for that. I was away uh, at a That's right. That's right. I can't remember what tournament I was at, but I was away. We went to Johnstown, and Dempsey wasn't there. Come on, man. Come on, man. I didn't have a good trip last time to Johnstown. <laughs> That's true. That's true, too. Oh, man. what? I mean, obviously, that was a big moment for you, too. But what made you want to take that fight? Like, Were you still thinking of an MMA Because this, this was before I was really involved with 247. Like, yeah. I, I was at that show, but I wasn't the GM at that point or anything like that. So... When I heard you were fighting, that was it. I just heard, like, Dempsey's fighting again. I'm like, that's sick. But yeah. I didn't really know the behind-the-scenes of it. So what was the thought process then? Uh, that really wasn't one. Like, <laughs> 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 I was just uh, – I was working out with all the guys, and, like, they were like, oh, you can still do it, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And, like, I think I said jokingly or something one time to somebody, I was like, all right, I'll do one more if you guys do something. And like I can't even remember what it was, and uh, so they did it, and they're like, "You said, you said," and I was like, "All right, cool, I'll do it." Like whatever. That's crazy. The balls. I mean, that just shows your experience. That just be like, "Yeah, I'll take another pro MMA fight against a savage." Like just on a whim, whatever. I'll just do it. Yeah, dude. Rex was not an easy matchup by any means. Like that. Was- I remember watching him wrestle uh, when I was in college. He would always come to the Wilkes Open, and uh, he would always he always wrestled there. I think he was doing MMA back then. Still nice. So I'm at, he's definitely the same age as me. Dude, he showed up built like Yoel Romero that night. Yeah. That dude was so jacked. Yeah. He was so jacked. But yeah. Did we get drug tested on that one? <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I, I don't think there was. I don't know. We might bring some cups for you guys to pee in at Sprawl in the Berg. <laughs> like, we'll just make sure. Hey, uh, hey, he said grappling, you're allowed steroids now. Dude, I mean, that's what it sounds like. I mean, this all these guys, who, um, was it IBJJF that just suspended a bunch of people? Yeah, all the okay. fight sports guys. Yeah, yeah, how crazy is that? It's nuts to see. I mean, I, I don't know how to feel about it because I'm, I'm with you for sure. Really? Kid, well, one of the kids was 19. 
I mean, the whole Gordon Ryan thing, which obviously his health is just in shambles, and a lot of people are saying, like, it's probably steroids, bro. You I love him. that Craig Jones just destroys him. Dude, Craig Jones was the funniest him. guy in, like, across any combat sports. Craig Jones is the funniest. <laughs> he put a picture up. It was him, uh, Adesanya, uh, Volkanovsky, and I can't remember who the other one was. But he said uh, 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 tummy ache survivors or something. <laughs> oh, I was cracking up. That's beautiful. The fact that he just keeps going, like, they even call, they name themselves the B team. Like, the way that he's, like, we're... Uh, just the and way Gordon Ryan's brother's one of the coaches. I there. know, like, come on. ridiculous. That whole split was crazy. That's like I follow grappling a little bit, but that's where I, I like. I don't know the story there. I don't I fully no understand. Idea. I know they went to Puerto Rico, and then things went to shit when they were down there. But I heard it was about money, but I don't. I don't it always know. is, right? It's always, about money. <laughs> it's always, always about money. So I get that. But dude, this is a crazy honor, of course, to have you back in the cage, not fighting, but grappling, fighting. of course. So. Like we said, Brad Schneider, that's a sick matchup. His team is sick, obviously, training with Dante and those guys all the time. And they're not far away, Toledo, Ohio. So I feel like if we keep doing this thing, we're going to see more from their team. Because I know they have more guys. In full disclosure, there was a guy, Ryan. I laugh because Ryan always busts my balls for saying full disclosure when I say like something behind the scenesy. But uh, we talked that there's another matchup coming. And you yeah, know that matchup. I do. But if the other side didn't confirm... There was another guy from Leo. Yeah, yeah. That we were going to try to see if he would face him instead. It was Max Hansen. Oh, uh, so I know Max. they wanted Max on the card as well. And I was like, dude, I, like, there's really nobody in our area left to match that is a good matchup for Max. But there's one guy who, if it doesn't work out, might. So Max is young, man. Yeah, he is. He's, He's super young. young. Yeah. So it could have been fun, though, because it would have been like. New I know. age versus old yeah, age. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The whole way, the yeah. whole way through, I was like, "This, this is pretty fun, actually." And he's tough. I rolled with Max a couple of times. He, yeah. he's, he was down at Stout one Friday, and I was rolling with him. He was, crazy. Like it's like they've invited me out to uh, to train out there at Pedigo a couple of times because we see him at all the IBJJF events and everything, and they're good guys. I like those guys, and and they have a they have a good style, and it, it would be a good opportunity, but. We're just gonna wait till after this match to go do that. Nice. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the. Move. It's not like probably it's any secret that they like. They know exactly what I do. Like it's not a big secret. Everybody yes. knows what I do. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, like you watch one match and you're gonna be like, oh, okay, he's going to go for a front headlock. Demsecutioner. I got it, <laughs> <laughs> dude. I'm saying it. I'm sorry. I know you. You cannot say it. That's fine. But I'm gonna try to make that a thing because it's great. I actually want a Demsecutioner T-shirt. John like, Mulgrave will love you. Dude, like, <laughs> let's get you, like, running a guillotine, like, an actual guillotine, not the choke, but, like, the actual, like, chop your head off medieval. Like, that's the shirt. Demsecutioner with the guillotine coming down on somebody. That's like Renee's buggy choke the world <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, dude. Like, that's great. What's Renee's obviously on the come up as well. He's doing amazing things. Yeah. And he, what's what's the connection with you guys and him? So he beat me in the finals okay. of a tournament one time. I didn't time. know that. We were out at one of the Fuji tournaments out in Allentown. We all, we went out. Uh, it was me, Trent, and Matt. We all competed. Matt Schaefer. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I ended up uh, get. I was in the finals versus uh, – I was in the semifinals against this kid, and this guy in the stands just wouldn't stop chirping at me. He was big, Roy, <laughs> big roid head dude. That, like you could tell he never did jiu-jitsu ever. Yeah, like, yeah. And he just kept chirping, chirping, chirping. And I was a little bit younger at this point, a little bit more temperamental. So I just flipped out on him. And I was like just screaming at him. And Renee, 
who hadn't had his semifinals match yet, comes over to me and was just like, hey, man, like, let's all just have a good time. Like, oh and like, just chilled me out. And I was like, for some reason, I was just like, all right, all right, cool. <laughs> and like, so then I had him in the finals and he ended up, uh, he, I think he heel, heel hooked me. He had like a nice transition where he was like trying to go for like some kind of arm log. And he slid right down my leg. And uh, like, that was way before I even considered anything with the legs or anything. So I just, I was like, I have no idea what's still going on. I just tapped. Yeah. And uh, then we just stayed in contact after that. And like, I see him in a lot of the big time tournaments and stuff. Like, the we're down in Dallas. I think it was for Wor- Pains or Worlds. And we went out to uh, uh, Terry Black's barbecue. Oh, yes. And so there was a bunch of guys from React. Uh, like, uh, uh, Scott was with us. Mike Ross was with us, and Renee, and a couple of the, uh, his guys uh, came. And we all met up, so we're sitting around this big, uh, this big table, and seriously, like between me and Renee, we were just going back and forth. I, I haven't laughed that hard in forever. <laughs> I mean, like that was that was one of my favorite nights of all time. Yeah, we're uh, we're all, we're actually going up to Iceland in August. Wow! So Renee, uh, myself, Paul. Uh, and Harry and Cheyenne are all going up to Craig Jones and Lachlan Giles seminar up in okay, uh, I did see that in uh, Iceland. Dude, that's so sick. What an opportunity. Yeah. You can't pass that up for we're, sure. We're in a group message right now trying to figure out uh, what car we're going to rent and what uh, Airbnb. And just the variety of people in that group <laughs> message is hilarious. That's and awesome. Like, you guys got to take some cameras along and like do some vlogs or so. That's a crew, dude. We got Paul. We got a built-in camera. We got Paul. That's going to be so good, dude. Paul Luke documenting that. And yep. with you. Oh, dude, I'm hyped for that. I can't I wait. I want that to happen like right now. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> yeah. Wait, no, I want Sprawl on the Berg to happen first, and then I want you to go because we're pretty excited about that too. Yeah, man, this is this has been a sick interview for sure, man. I appreciate you coming in, seeing the studio. Obviously, competing July fourteenth, also, ladies and gentlemen, watch Dempsey take on Brad Schneider. Crazy black belt matchup, as high level as it gets. So, July fourteenth, Monroeville tickets at two four seven fighting dot com. Any sponsor you want? You want to send us off on anything? Sing some Pantera lyrics, maybe. <laughs> I gotta figure out those Pantera <laughs> lyrics first. Uh I don't have any sponsors for for that. I probably probably won't get any sponsors for that just because I have a full time job. So it's like uh, I just do this for fun. But uh, I do want to thank all the sponsors that helped us out. Uh, myself, uh, Cody Gamble, and Cheyenne are going out next weekend to try out uh, try out for the USA Grappling uh, to represent United States. So um, everybody who's kind of, who's donated to that, there's several several uh, different uh, sponsors. I don't know all of them because some of them came through me, some of them came through Cheyenne, some of them came through uh, Isaac. So I don't want to kind of single anybody out if I miss anybody, but all those guys who helped us out at the Math Factory, I really want to thank those guys for that. Yeah. Thank you guys for that. And thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. Chris Dempsey, honored to have you, brother. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Me, Julian, uh, Julian's brother, Roman, uh, Jermaine, J-Pip, and my boy DJ. Do you know DJ Sims? Yeah, a little bit. I don't know him well, but for sure. And, like, it's one of the funniest group messages <laughs> That ever. sounds like, beautiful. We're just, all we do is send, like, messed up stuff and just talk trash on each other <laughs> the entire time. 
and it usually ends up us always talking trash on Jermaine because he can't he can't be quiet. He just yeah. talks trash about everything. <laughs> Jermaine. So I guess allegedly, because I don't want to get choked by Jermaine, but don't I, worry, you're I safe guess, there. <laughs> it's, it's, so it begins. So <laughs> Jermaine was apparently telling Ryan that he whoops up on you in the gym. So I just you know I want to present these facts to you and let you respond to the fact that Jermaine. Well, what are you considering a fact? I'm just this text from Jermaine to Ryan claims that in the gym. Well, Jermaine hasn't been in the gym, <laughs> our gym, in months. So I, maybe he has a dummy and he named it Dempsey or something. But I don't, I don't know what he's talking about. He's just got a grappling dummy at home. He's like, this is Dempsey. He's got your face painted on it and stuff. He's just like, he, he renamed his son after me and he just chokes him out all the time. Maybe. Dude, I don't know. <laughs> Brutal. Dude, I mean, what are some of the best? Because obviously, like, all jokes aside, Jermaine's a phenomenal athlete in general. What's it like training with somebody like that on a regular basis? Well, previously, previously. on a regular, regular basis. It's For me, it's fun. So Jermaine's from Rochester. I'm from Ambridge. And so, like, we knew who each other were before we've trained together. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we just, we just talk smack on each other the entire time. And so I... I beat him up the entire time and he just keeps talking smack and I'm like, you know, I wouldn't beat you up as bad if you wouldn't if you just be quiet. And he's like, "Nope, I want it I want it as hard as you can, as hard as you can beat me up, beat me up." And I was like, "Okay, keep talking trash." And it's funny when new people come in too though because like we'll be in a corner like going like going at it and just talking trash to each other and people are coming in like are these guys going to be okay? Like, <laughs> like they think it's serious? <laughs> yeah. Nice. All right. 10-minute match. Every time you su- submit Jermaine, you get $1,000. Oh, How many times are you going to tap I'd retire. In, in 10 minutes? <laughs> I would retire. <laughs> That's my retirement plan. If you Just, give me that match on 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 brawl or sprawl in the berg. You versus Jermaine. Every, yeah. every sub's 1000 bucks. Yeah. Dude. Um, how how many? I'd quit my job right now. <laughs> Sorry, uh, who do you, who is who do you work for? By the way, what's the company? Johnstone Supply. Shout out Johnstone Supply for keeping <laughs> Dempsey rolling and, and keeping us cool and hopefully fixing the condenser in this building in the future. <laughs> But yeah, shout out them. But sorry, because when when Dempsey faces Jermaine, he he's gone. Sorry, guys. I mean, I think I could. I, I definitely think I can retire on a million dollars. What's do do some math? What's a million divided by a thousand, Danny Palm? I need to know. It's just a hundred. No, it's a thousand. It's a thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, a thousand submissions in ten minutes. Yeah, it can be done. Cause like the first minute or two, I'll probably only get like I don't know five or six. But then, like, he's just going to break. Once he's broken, yeah. Yeah, and so I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> sub, sub, sub. Like, dude, a He's lot- soft. He's from Rochester. Ooh. Uh, yeah, dude, I'm excited for Jermaine to see this clip. This is going to be beautiful. <laughs> but hypotheticals, obviously, are some of my favorite things ever. And I, I meant to circle back, so I'm glad we sat back down. Wilkins is hypothetical of facing a grizzly bear. <laughs> I need I need to hear your take on this because you're a key component in facing the grizzly bear in his scenario. You're very involved. So are we doing are we doing versions like numbers of me or are we bringing everybody else in because Lucas Siebert said that 16 of me I think it was could, 17 he said. 17? Yeah, so that's just 
17 me. Dempsey's. Or are we doing, like, I, I'm picking a squad, and I, we're going after uh, a I bag. like the squad better. Okay. I like building your own squad. All right, so I'm saying we're going to go two on each limb, two on the head, and two going, like... Rovers. Rovers, to, like, if somebody falls off or... If we gotta sacrifice somebody, I mean, say it happens. You gotta like, you gotta make it through. So I'm saying twelve, and I'm gonna go J. Pip, Cody, and sorry for you guys, but you guys are going in first. You're the biggest and the strongest. Uh, <laughs> I'll go Wilkins, myself, Julian. Do I get Carlton? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Carlton. Past or present. Yeah. Definitely Carlton. Um that's six. I had this all set. Oh, Isaac Reed. Okay. He's uh yeah. heavyweight from Lockhaven. Um Al Beatty, he was uh one of UPJ's heavyweights. So that's eight. I need four more. Who did I that's just so long ago, I can't uh, remember. Now you forgot the squad. But I love that you're just picking the biggest dudes. Like you're just picking, but giants. then it all can like rep for like, sure. Like Albedi was a two-time state champ. Uh, uh, so was Isaac Reed. Uh, um, uh, freaking Pips' uh, strength is unreal. Yeah. Um, Cody, I mean, he's just gonna run through a brick wall when you tell him <laughs> to, and he's also strong as hell. Dude. Yeah, uh, Cody looks ridiculous. I don't know. I I I wouldn't put Jermaine on my squad. I wouldn't. <laughs> Because he would be like every man for themselves, and he's faster than the rest of us, so he's gonna run away and he's gonna get away. And now, now your team of twelve is eleven. Oh, Isaac, uh, Warren. Oh, nice taking some wily vets for the yeah. squad. Okay, I think are they the Rovers? You think those are yeah, the two Isaac, Rovers? Isaac, Isaac, and Warren will be the Rovers. Okay, uh, and then I need two more. Who's the, my last two? I just had somebody in my head too. I'm trying to think of other people. Yeah, I'm with. trying. I mean, DJ Sims is huge. He could be. He's already on. Oh, you yeah, already said yeah, him. Yeah, I, said I totally him. missed it. Um, let's see. Trent Zadarka. Nice. And Jake. Okay, that's solid. That's a squad for sure. Are I, you? You're taking the head, I assume. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I'm putting on the head. I would put myself and probably. Jake. Okay. I'm going to go. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I forgot. I, I had Lonnie and Breeze on there, too. Ooh. I had Lonnie and Breeze. Ooh. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably. We need the we need the, the brains from Isaac and Warren, so I'm going to take them out, and I'm putting Lonnie and Breeze in there. Okay. Nice. So. Yeah, I'll, Isaac and Warren are too valuable to lose yeah, to a yeah. grizzly bear. <laughs> they need to train more of us in case we lose to the great grizzly bear. Train the next wave to take out this bear. Yeah. It's just mauling Western PA grapplers <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Why does this bear keep attacking us? I'm going to put me and Jake on the head. I'm going to put uh, Lonnie and Breeze on opposite arms. Mm. And then I'm going to put... I'm going to put J-Pip with Lonnie. I'm going to put Cody with Breeze. No, switch that. Because Lonnie, Lonnie will yell at Cody. I'm going to put <laughs> Lonnie and Cody on one arm, and I'm going to put Breeze and J-Pip on the other arm. Me and Jake on the head. Uh, 
No, me and Carlton on the head. Ooh. I forgot I had Carlton. How did I forget that? Dude. So me and Carlton on the head, Jake and and uh, Trent on opposite legs, and then I'm gonna put DJ with Trent, and then I'm gonna put Julian with Jake. Okay. I think there's a recipe there. That that's my that's my game plan. So wait, who were the Rovers? Who were the other, who were my other two? Oh yeah, true. You had Isaac Reed. Oh, okay. So Isaac Reed is gonna go with DJ on the leg, and Jake's gonna be a Rover, and then Al is gonna go on the other leg with julian julian yeah, and let's a darko rove him, yeah uh, trent and trent and jake are going to be the rovers that makes perfect sense i think let the big <laughs> boys get the limbs and the legs yep yep that's that's the move i mean i totally get it my thing with wilkins when we were initially talking about it is like that sounds good in theory how are you guys going to kill the bear like what's your tactic for actually killing the bear okay <laughs> all right so that's where the rovers come in. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing this on the fly right here so I, I didn't think this far ahead um so once we get it down we're gonna take the rovers and they're gonna get a metal pole okay we're bringing weapons or, or a really really strong like an ironwood strength like branch yeah yeah and then they're going to bring it over and they're going to put it down right on the back of the neck. And then me and Carlton are going to help them. And we're just going to push that down on the back of its neck until it snaps. It's gone. Nice. I, see, listen, you don't like the name Dempsecutioner, but even in this scenario, <laughs> it, even in this scenario, you thought of a way to take you off its head. Me you, you thought set of a, me up. Dude, you set me up. You set yourself. You set yourself up for that. You're like, dude, I just love watching things' heads pop off. That's, that's I'm addicted. That's my fetish. But I mean, so now that we put the team together, I'm saying alternates. You got to put Wilkins in there as an alternate for sure. I think he's gonna be okay with the pick, the team I picked there. Yeah. Um, I might put I might put mike in there instead of trent though because trent's just too nice mm. like we would like get it down and he'd be like okay <laughs> like let's let it go now like he's just one of the nicest we human beings go, yeah he's the nicest human being i ever yeah. met meanwhile wilkins has put countless hours into thinking about this and will love to kill that bear right so after all this. <laughs> yeah i think i think i'm gonna put trent as an alternate and i'm gonna bring mike in just nice. on, just for meanness and jermaine can be the runner yeah, he could go call somebody because he ain't helping us. I know that. <laughs> That's perfect. There we go. There's the Jermaine talk we needed in the segment. That's the after hours special.